Plaza Direct King's Court starts now. I'm still around 
Friday morning, St. Louis and all points northeast, south, and west. Kevin Slayton with you. We welcome you in. This is the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. KevinSlaytonShow.com. You can find us on this website for our live show every morning or for our podcast later on in the day. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Anchor. Any place you listen to podcasts, you will find us. That I can promise. And we'll be there every day for you. Unless, of course, we're out or we're on vacation. But this is where you come to get the unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence. That is our motto. That is what we stay true to. And that makes us unique among every other show in America, or for that matter, around the world. People are so petrified of the truth. And I'm going to give you a little background on the truth and where it uh, became very important to me years and years ago because it relates to a sports story, which we'll get into here in a few moments. Our phone lines are always open for you, 636-538-0746, 636-538-0746. I went to a college basketball game last night at Lindenwood. They played SIU Edwardsville. By the way, did you see SIU's new um, marketing campaign for their school, SIU E, and they, and they say, and the E stands for excellence. Who are these marketing people? Are they just drunk with stupidity? And somebody got paid a lot of money for that. And the E stands for excellence. Well, the reason I bring this game up is because at the start of it, at Lindenwood, they played what someone decided was the Black National Anthem. Now, of course, it is not any national anthem at all. It's simply a song. I don't know why some people in the black community identify with it, to be honest with you. But it's not an anthem of any kind, and certainly not a national anthem. The last time I checked, black was not a country. The national anthem is the star-spangled banner of the United States. That is the United States national anthem. At, At hockey games in the NHL, you hear the Canadian national anthem as well, because a lot of the players are from Canada. And, in fact, a lot of the games are played in Canada. But there's no such thing as the black national anthem. Let's get that straight. It's an insult to this country. It's an insult to every patriot that's gone before us. And it will be an insult to every patriot that follows us. There is no such effing thing as a black national anthem. So get over yourself. And Lindenwood, you can go F yourself as far as I'm concerned. That little bitty athletic director they have out there kissing everybody's ass. That's despicable. It was disgusting. I wonder what they would have done had I not stood. Actually, they tricked you. They tricked you into standing and removing your hats for the national anthem, and then they sneaked that one in there. What would they have done had I not stood? I should have just sat right back down after they uh, had tricked me and I realized it. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. So screw Lindenwood. I hope they lose every game. Sorry, I'm, I'm not mad at the kids. I'm mad at the administration. By the way, when the guy that 
put all of that money into that campus and built that beautiful campus, and it is beautiful. Lindenwood is a great place. It's a well-kept secret. I believe his name was Spellman. Everybody I know that knew him tells me he wouldn't put up with that for one second. So Lindenwood has shamed itself and shamed the memory of the guy that built that entire campus. What a disgrace. What an abject disgrace. And to those coaches, too, who sat there and took that, I would stay seated if it were me. You knew it was coming. The audience was tricked. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Well, nonetheless, I had to get that out of my system. Drove me crazy all night. Black national anthem. Stick it where the sun doesn't shine. And you know what is my guess? No black group of people came up with that. It's some white people, some woke white people who decided, let's play the Black National Anthem. Remember, it was Roger Goodell who did it in the NFL first. Some nitwit, maybe it was a black activist, came to him and, hey, we've got our own anthem. Oh, God, let's play it. Everybody will think that I just love the black community. Even though I don't, I just make millions off their backs. And when the players are done, kick them to the curb. But I'm Roger Goodell. That's what I do. I'm the white slave master. It is disgusting. But let's let's go to a more positive event. And the most positive event of the day and in a long time in sports occurred yesterday. Don Coryell was finally elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. His bust will go where it belongs. John Madden has many times speculated that those busts, when it's dark at night, all talk to each other and share stories. It's a great romantic way of looking at the Hall of Fame. It gives you chills even thinking about the possibilities of it. But Oath Coriel could tell some stories. I can promise you that. I got to know Don Coriel when I was a rookie broadcaster at Channel 4. He was coaching the Big Red and coaching the Big Red to their greatest success in their history in St. Louis. Never came close before that. Never duplicated after that. But he was an offensive genius, and they had uh, set up a situation at Channel 4 that the station would have Don on live on the 5 o'clock news on the Mondays after every one of their games. Now, that was unique to the time. No one had anything like that. Channel 4 was very innovative. Their management, very innovative, very creative. And to be able to get Don Coriel was a great coup. So I was doing the 5 o'clock news, and uh, the first time I did the interview with him, I, because I learned how to become a journalist, so I questioned him aggressively about different calls that he had made in the game the day before. Nothing unfair, just trying to get his thought process as to why he did this and that. Well, Tim Van Gelder, TVG, later came to me after the interview, and he said, boy, Coriel is pissed at you. He said he took the microphone off, threw it to the ground, and he said, I'm done with Channel 4. So here I am, 22 years old. I'm thinking, I just pissed off the best thing this town has, and I don't know why. I just asked what I thought were pretty good questions. Well, one thing led to another, and all of the bridges were amended. And uh, I went over to practice after they had lost to the Cowboys and royally screwed by the referees down in Dallas. 
And Coriel pulls me aside, and he had a lisp. If you've never heard him speak, he had a lisp. And he would get so emotional when he was talking about something that he was passionate about, and we'd start spitting, and that lisp would be flying. And he says to me, he goes, did you see those referees left yesterday? What did you think of them? They sucked. They took the game from us. That was stolen. It was stolen away from us. Damn those referees. I can't stand them. And I'm like, this is before practice. And he was fired up. But he knew that I would tell the truth about the referees, and so he pulled me aside. And I never forgot that. And I had the honor years later, after he had left St. Louis, thanks to Bill Bidwell, and gone to San Diego, his beloved San Diego, and coached the Chargers for nine years. And I happened to be doing play-by-play for NBC NFL football then, and I got his last game. So I was able to broadcast the last game of Don Coriel's career, and it was quite by accident, actually. No one knew it was his last game. He didn't announce it before the game. After the game is when he announced it. And I never forgot the thrill of being able to call his last game. And so when I found out that he was elected to the Hall of Fame, I rejoiced. This was long overdue. So overdue, it's absurd. This man is the father of offensive football in the NFL and probably as much in college. All of his concepts that he created in that genius mind of his have been duplicated and copied in the NFL for decades. Bill Walsh took a lot of credit for it when he was with the 49ers, but everything he did with the 49ers, he learned from Don Coryell. Nothing against Bill Walsh, but he did accept credit for it. But it was Don Coryell. Jim Hart, the quarterback of the Big Red, the Cardiac Cards and Air Coryell, as they were called, said the 99 Rams playbook when they won the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, the greatest show on turf, was the Cardinals playbook in the 70s. Mike Martz learned from Don Coryell. Dick Vermeil learned from Don Coryell. Don Coryell is the only coach in the history of football that won over 100 games in college and over 100 games in the NFL. And you talk to his former players, and they'll, they'll all tell you this guy was magical and just a caring, loving guy, passionate about the game. He once drove his... Uh, daughter to the uh, to school but forgot she was in the car because he was concentrating on his plays in his mind and drove her to practice <laughs> and he called his wife and apologized she said you don't have to apologize she goes I was watching you leave the driveway I knew what was going to happen <laughs> but it's the stories are legendary with him and we have a few this morning that I wanted to share because at his memorial service in 2010 it was a list of who's who among NFL greats. And it, in 2010, of course, it's 13 years before what happened yesterday when he was finally elected into the Hall of Fame. Petty jealousies from sports writers and broadcasters, sportscasters, are what kept Don Coryell from the Hall of Fame. He never cared who got credit. He just wanted to coach. And so it made me remember back in the day when his memorial took place out at San Diego State, and John Madden was one of the first speakers And Madden couldn't help but bring up the injustice of Coriel not being in the Hall of Fame at that time. You know, I'm sitting down here in front, and uh, I'm on the corner, and next to me is Joe Gibbs. Next to him is Dan Fouts. And the three of us are in the Hall of Fame because of Don Coriel. There's something missing. There is something missing, Coach, and yesterday that was rectified, finally. 
Finally, Don Coriel's name and his bust in Canton are no longer missing. But Madden went on at that memorial to tell a story about Coriel that I think illustrates the kind of person Coriel was, the kind of caring person he was, long after players had left him and gone on to their life's business. And it illustrated what kind of a person he was, and it gets emotional, so be ready. As I was saying, we all owe so much to him. And you can tell the the players and the coaches that if you ever played for him or you ever coached for Don, he had respect for you and he had love for you. And it was a respect and a love that didn't go away. One of the jobs that I had as a defensive coordinator and assistant was I was in charge of summer jobs. So all the players had to have summer jobs. So now what I would do is I would take the best summer job and then I would give it to the best player. Then the next summer job, the next best player, and the next best player. So anyway, the the best job back in those days was a Coca-Cola. So I have the Coca-Cola job. And it was it was going to go to Haven Moses. He was our best player coming in. So Don comes up to me and he says, You got that job for Coca-Cola? I said, I said yeah, it's the best one we got. I'm gonna give it to Haven and he's the number one guy. And he said he said, No, give it to Rod Dauhauer. Go, Rod Dauhauer. He graduated. He can't play for us anymore. He's gone. Haven Moses is going to be, he's going to be our star. That's, that's what we are. That's who we are. We need players. And he goes, no, he said, Rod, Rod uh, just got cut by the 49ers. And uh, he's married and his wife's pregnant. He said, he needs it. You know, I had never thought that way in my life. I mean, I never did. And Don, you know, as everyone says, was a great competitor. But where a lot of people do what's best for them, and a lot of times what's best for the team, Don did what was right. Don was right. What a great story. Dauhauer needed it. Those are the kinds of things that nobody ever knew about because Coriel didn't seek headlines. He just wanted to coach. And Dan Fouts was his his, uh, quarterback out in San Diego when he went back to play for or coach the Chargers, coach college at San Diego State. And Fouts explains some of the things that a quarterback has to digest from the time the ball is snapped till the time he makes a decision to throw it. And it was a game and a two-minute drill, and he was getting all kinds of information from Jim Hannafin, who was an assistant then, and and Joe Gibbs. The coaching tree of Don Coryell, by the way, is littered with Hall of Famers. And Joe Gibbs is in Fouts' ear telling him these things, and then Don Coryell made it as simple as it could be. All right, we're going to run uh, 844 Ricky, okay? Now, this is what you do. You look for Charlie on that skinny post. If you get the ball in over the linebacker's head, hit him on that post. But if it's taken away, they rotate that way. Look for Kellen on the crossing route. 
Now, at the crossing route, the middle linebacker is back into the crossing route, then you got J.J. on the on the dig route deep there. Now, if the strong safety takes that away, then you got Capaletti sneaking out in the flat, and you got Muncie in behind him on the, on the Ricky. You got that? <clears throat> so here I've got... I've got all these things running through my mind. I've just heard from Coach Hannafin. Joe Gibbs has sent this play down. Zampezi was helping him up in the booth. And I hadn't heard from Coriel. So I'm running back out to the huddle because the referee says, okay, time to go out. You know, let's go. Hey, hey, and play. And, and uh, I get this tug on my jersey. And I turn around, and I don't see anybody. And I, oh, there he is, you know. And he says, ah, screw all that, Danny. Just throw it to J.J. J.J. was John Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the game. So when it all came down to it, screw all that terminology, screw all that looking this way, looking that way, just throw it to J.J., and we'll be just fine. What a class act Don Coriel was. And now he's reunited in heaven with his wife, who had uh, died, uh, predeceased him. And, you know, when, when he was in St. Louis, she was, she got upset one time because – she would sit in the stands at games and people would be yelling things at Don and she would, she couldn't take it. So she would stop going to the games in the stands. Now today, of course they put the families up in a suite so they don't have to put up with any of that. But back in those days, and I don't know why anybody would have been critical of Coriel. All he did was win. Screw that. Danny, just throw it to JJ. (laughs) Congratulations to coach Coriel. Probably the most long overdue, honor in the history of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And hopefully they'll never make a mistake like that again. It's disgraceful that it took this long, that he's not alive to enjoy it. But I would imagine there'll be a lot of guys from the old Big Red and a lot of guys from those San Diego Chargers and San Diego State teams that will enjoy it for him. And when they all get together, they will drink a toast. Toast to the greatest offensive mind in the history of pro football and probably college football, too. When he came to the Cardinals, the Cardinals had gone 4-9-1 uh, and one the previous year. And he said, we're going to throw the ball. Now, nobody was throwing the ball then. It's hard to believe when you watch football today, but nobody was throwing it. Everything was run-oriented. And he said, we have the perfect quarterback for what I want to do, Jim Hart. Nobody thought that. Jim hadn't yet been unleashed. No one knew the talent he had. He, little known quarterback from SIU Carbondale, pressed into duty because Charlie Johnson, the reigning number one quarterback, was drafted into the Army. Those things happened back in those days. Can you imagine Patrick Mahomes being drafted into the Army today and not being able to play? It happened back then. And Jim Hart came in and didn't distinguish himself. I think he threw 30 interceptions his rookie year. I remember Hart telling a story when they played the champion Green Bay Packers in the game, and he looked over the the line on his first snap of the game, and he's looking straight into the eyes of Ray Nitschke, the the baddest middle linebacker in the game, he and Butkus, and Nitschke with no teeth looks over at Hart and goes, run it my way, rookie. (laughs) 
those stories are legendary and they're great. And I, I digress because I, I could go on forever. But so, so happy that Don Coriel finally got what was due to him. His players loved him. Loved him. And as you heard the story about Rod Dauhauer, he loved his players. So congratulations to the Coriel family. I can't wait to watch the Hall of Fame induction ceremony this year. I want to watch what his family says. Uh, so many of the greats that were in the Hall of Fame, unfortunately, Coach Madden is gone now. But you can count on Joe Gibbs being there, a Hall of Famer himself, who owes everything to Coriel and some of the greatest players in history. Let's flip over now to the nightmare that is this country. God, I wish we could just talk about good news all the time, right? It would be fun. But unfortunately, the the criminals that run our country need to be called out. They need to be held accountable at some point. Somebody needs to go to jail. That's our mantra on this show, too. Someone needs to go to jail. If we're ever going to stop it and, and end the corruption in this country, deterrence is a great thing. You know, if I can go out and rob people, beat them up, and never have to face jail, if I'm crazy, what's going to stop me? I mean, it's just the truth, right? It's the way it is. And that's sadly what we have in the government itself. The crimes they're committing are everywhere. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And we've got the leader of the criminal organizations by the name of Joe Wuhan Willie Otella Biden. And yesterday, he, he somehow thinks he's John Wayne. He thinks he's some sort of badass from his corn pop story to yesterday when he continually lies. He keeps the lie, even though Marjorie Taylor Greene screamed liar during the State of the Union when he was blaming Republicans for wanting to end Medicare and Social Security, which is just a flagrant lie. Remember, we played the clip yesterday. It was actually Biden who wanted to end those programs when he was in the Senate. Here's what he said yesterday as if he's a badass. I know that a lot of Republicans, their dream is to cut Social Security and Medicare. Well, let me say this. If that's your dream, I'm your nightmare. (laughs) He's our nightmare. You're our nightmare, all right. But it's not because you're a tough guy. If that's your dream, I'm your nightmare. He's going to act like he stopped somebody from taking your Social Security check or taking your Medicare coverage. That's what he's building up to. He's going to keep lying about it, making people believe that somehow someone wants to take that away, but he, Joe Biden, will come riding in on the white horse and stop the mean people. That's what he wants you to believe. And that has now become obvious to me that that's part of their campaign. Because he was just shouted down. He was just made to look like a monkey at that State of the Union address when he kept telling that lie, when Republicans were screaming and booing. Didn't bother him. The next day he told the lie again. This time that he's going to be the guy that is going to stop it. I'm their nightmare. I'm their nightmare. You're all of our nightmares. In fact, we couldn't have even imagined a nightmare like you in our wildest, most creative moments of sleep. Even Satan couldn't come up with a nightmare like you. You've done it all on your own. 
I'm your nightmare. And how about the people applauding? You know, I keep wondering, who's dumber? The audiences that applaud Biden or the ones on The View who applaud the people on The View? Or is it Biden or the members of The View? It's too close to call. Suffice it to say, those four groups of people are the dumbest people on earth. And the media, we've got to lump the media in there too. But of course, we know they're part of the applause. After this lame speech the other night, in which he lied time after time after time. And it's not my opinion. The so-called fact-checkers, who are all liberals, said he lied all the time, too. All night long he lied. He said if you try to cut, he'll stop you with his veto pen. And yet, after that disaster of a speech, the media couldn't help themselves going gaga and falling all over themselves to praise him. The ones who were unruly and yelling and heckling the president, not only did they make themselves look bad, they really allowed him an opportunity to look vigorous. President Biden's superpower is that he's a regular person, but it was delivered with a lot of energy and a lot of pace. That's where experience matters. That took all the experience in the world and all and, and his comfort in that room. Biden comes across as someone who's enjoying himself uh, and who has the energy uh, to be in this job for another, you know, until he's well into his 80s. He was as sharp tonight as he could be. I thought he did a great job. It was a far group. President Biden does seem invigorated from the address. Uh, Can you believe that you hear that? That's the only time in my life that I start thinking, is freedom of speech something we should protect? We certainly shouldn't protect the media. You've got to earn that Bill of Rights, First Amendment protection. They don't earn it. Those people are either mentally ill or on the take or high on drugs, especially that coward tapper. The unruly behavior of the Republicans that just made them look bad. Not once did Jake Tapper, not once, ever, did he criticize Pelosi for tearing up the State of the Union address. Not once did Tapper do that. That guy. That guy. Not once did he do that. He's sickening. Then Biden made the mistake, I guess it was a day later, of sitting down with Judy Woodruff of PBS. Now, PBS, of course, owes its existence to the government. And Woodruff used to be a reporter for NBC. But now she works for PBS, and she's still a hopeless literal, a liberal, even though she asked some difficult questions yesterday or the day before. But you'll see her liberal spurs come out here in a few minutes. But according to Biden, he told Woodruff the media, the media is to blame for the bad economy. When you look at the polls, or the CBS poll, 64% of Americans think the economy is in bad shape. There's an NBC poll, 71% think the country's on the wrong track. Why the disconnect? Because the, no, the polls don't matter anymore. Every time you turn on the news, or any, are you reporting any positive news? I'm not, I'm not mean you personally, right. editorially. Right. So you turn on the television and everything's down. That's because everything is down, you moron. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say down. Everything's up. Prices are up. Prices everywhere are up. Inflation's up. 
That's down news, yeah, every day, because that's what you've created. The border's wide open. The numbers there are way up. All of the bad numbers are up. What does he want you to report? See, he wants to control the media. Nobody gets as much ass-kissing as liberals by the media. And yet Biden and his ilk complain about it. Because I guess that question was a little too hard for him. You know, what do these polls say? They, they say that your economy sucks. 71% of Democrats say we're going in the wrong direction. Well, that's the media's fault. Every time you turn on the news, it's a bad story. Because you created that. Why do we see so much crime on the news? Because of you. You don't hold these people accountable. You helped George Soros get prosecutors elected who don't prosecute crimes. You defund the police, even though you lie and say you don't. You did, and you were for it. No matter how much your butt boy, Chris Wallace, tried to insist to President Trump that Joe Biden never said he wanted to defund the police, we've played the clip over and over for you, where he said it himself. But Chris Wallace has zero credibility. Talk about a guy who committed career suicide, and it started when he took on Donald Trump. There's a lot of bodies littered through the graveyard from people who took on Trump. And Chris Wallace is high on that list. So the media is to blame for the bad economy, and whatever they're not to blame for, Trump's to blame for, right? I mean, that's Biden's game. And now he doesn't think that the investigation into his son or his family's criminal a business practices, foreign country shakedowns for millions of dollars. He doesn't think the public cares about that. The public's not going to pay attention to that. They, they want these guys to do something. If the only thing they can do is make up things about my family. It's not going to go very far. Make up things about his family? Who's making up the information on Hunter Biden's laptop? Who's making up the pictures of the big guy with Hunter Biden's business partners? Made up? Did Tony Bobolinsky make up the meeting that you had with him to talk about the business? All those emails and texts and phone messages that Bobolinsky has, were those all made up? You threatening the Ukrainian government to withhold $6 million if they didn't fire a prosecutor that was looking into your son's behavior. Is that made up? Because you said it on, on tape. You said it. You said that it really doesn't matter if you're corrupt or not. You said that. So nothing was made up, you jackass. And as far as the the public not caring, as I've always mentioned to people, polls skew in the liberal direction. Always. And here's the newest poll. 61% of the American people think it's important for Congress to investigate Hunter Biden's business dealings. Which means you, Big Joe, Papa Joe. That means you. You loser. Public doesn't care what people making up about my family. They're making it up, I tell you. Now, of course, when it comes to the documents that he stole, illegally classified documents for a 50-year period, He all of a sudden goes mum. Now, this is the guy who called Trump names, irresponsible. But all of a sudden, when it's his documents, he's been told not to talk. They've informed me not to speak to this issue 
to any way try to prejudice the investigation that's going on. The kinds of things they picked up are things that are from 1974 and stray papers. There may be something else I don't know. But one of the things that happened is that what was not done well is as they packed up my offices to move them, they didn't do the kind of job that should have been done to go thoroughly through every single piece of literature that's there. Oh, so we got a new boogeyman. The media's to blame for the economy. They write bad stories. They broadcast bad stories. Trump's to blame for everything else except for the documents. My staff is to blame for that. Nothing. Biden's to blame for nothing. So now he throws his private secretary back when he was in the Senate under the bus. Well, Joe, was she still your secretary in 2015 when you were leaving the White House? Had she been your secretary for 45 years? Because somebody packed some papers up when you left the White House. And by the way, all through that 50-year period, five decades, with you having these things stacked next to your Corvette, in your office, in your University of Penn office as well, you didn't notice them? I mean, he is such a pathological liar. But Judy Woodruff decided that uh, Woodruff decided it's time for me to carry Biden's water for him. Trump bad, you good. Classified documents. Um, it, it's clear there's a difference between the way you've handled this and former President Trump. So, what was totally irresponsible about the fact that you had some? I'm not at liberty, and I'm not even sure. I, I made voluntarily. No one's had to threaten to do anything. Voluntarily open every single aperture I have with the house, offices, everything for them to come and look and spend hours searching my home. Invited them. You didn't invite anybody, you liar. They invited themselves. Then you tried to restrict where they could look. It's unbelievable. They invited themselves after they waited way too long and no doubt informed you, hey, we're coming. Why don't you leave a few papers out just so we can say we found something? In Biden's words, stray papers. So the liberals categorize this as stray papers. Donald Trump, who was actually the president and had, and has every right to take and declassify papers that Biden had no right to do, the papers Donald Trump has are somehow going to allow our enemies to get nuclear codes and nuclear secrets and are certainly a threat to the democracy and our national security. But Biden's documents are stray papers. You're starting to see the game they play with your brain and your mind. And they have the cooperation of the media who will hammer it home. And sooner or later you find yourself, gosh, I wonder if that's true. It's not. Just so you know, anything they tell you is not true. It's just getting scarier by the day. Do you see where uh, John Fetterman had to check into a hospital after becoming lightheaded? They, they swore to us that he was capable of performing his Senate duties, but we all knew better when we saw him in a debate against Dr. Oz. Hi. Good night, everybody. I always believe that independence with our energy is, is critical. Uh, I, I, I do support fracking, and I don't, I don't 
I support fracking. Uh, yeah, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Now, your first inclination is to just laugh because it's so pathetic. Hello, everybody. Good night. If that doesn't indicate to you that this man's stroke has affected him severely, then there's something wrong with you. And as I've said all along, I, I can hardly blame Biden and Fetterman. Their egos are runaway, so they can't stand not being able to get into public office. I blame always, I've said this, the families, the wives, but Dr. Jill, who props Biden up like a weekend at Bernie's in order for her to have power. She's one of the most despicable women that's ever been created. She sickens me. And Laura Ingram finally, finally has been listening to our show. I don't blame the people struggling as much as the people behind them. Jill Biden and Giselle Fetterman should be ashamed of themselves. Allowing their husbands to go out there knowing what's going on? Is the power really worth the ongoing humiliation of your spouse and the insult to your constituents? Apparently it is. The thirst for power and the greed of these people knows no bounds. You cannot shame Dr. Jill Biden. You cannot shame her. She's about as low on the totem pole of a human being as you can get. She doesn't care. She watches this guy. Just yesterday, I would have played it for you, but you need the video. Just yesterday, he's speaking in Florida, and he starts to say something. He simply stops trails off, walks over to the podium, puts his portable mic back down, picks it up and says, uh, that's the guy that she trots out there, doesn't care about the humiliation that he is obviously experiencing. He has to be. And she keeps doing it. And Fetterman the same way. Giselle. From what we understand, uh, I have to look, look this up, but I think the Governor in Pennsylvania is a Democrat. So guess who appoints the replacement for Fetterman if he can't continue? The Democratic governor, who would certainly then appoint Fetterman's wife. It's all cooked into the mix. It was all part of the baking process when he ran. Okay, if he can't continue, who gets in? She does. Remember um, right here in Missouri, the governor ran for the Senate and died in a plane crash, and all of a sudden his wife was in there. Yep, Josh Shapiro is the governor of Pennsylvania. He's a Democrat. Pretty sickening, isn't it? So he will pick who the new senator is if, indeed, Fetterman can't fill out his term, which you can count on not happening. That is not going to happen. You've got a guy who was incapable when he got elected or stole it, has been incapable since he got there, and is grossly incapable now. So that's what you're going to see. It's unbelievable, isn't it? And there's never any accountability, never any accountability for the criminal wrongdoings of the Bidens, the Clintons, the Obamas, the Bushes, Never any accountable for people like John, um, oh, who's the CIA guy? John uh, Brennan, Clapper, 
Comey. Never any accountability for these people, these criminals. Strzok, Page, McCabe, Christopher Ray. Never any accountability. None of them have faced any punishment for their criminal behavior. Shouldn't they, Kaylee McEnany? There should be accountability because what Biden is asking you to believe defies logic that these documents from 1974 were sitting perhaps by the wheel of a Corvette for five decades, five decades, and he didn't notice. I don't know about you, but I go through my documents. I try to do spring cleaning. Over a 50-year period, I would have discovered a document with a classified marking. And then he tells us, oh, wait, it's my messy press, my messy secretary who did it. So the secretary in 1974, when you stole a classified document from the Senate, was also your secretary in 2012, 2016, when you're leaving your job as vice president. None of that makes sense. The reason it doesn't make sense is because it's all a lie. What I find hilarious, except that it's so sad, is that the Democrats can't even lie well. They always get caught in their lie, and how do they get caught? By their own words. It's amazing how stupid these people are that we as a country elect the public office. It's the greatest scam known to man. Run for office in the United States... Climb the ladder a little bit, and you're wealthy forever. And you have power, unbridled power. You get perks for the rest of your life. You get a pension for the rest of your life. I don't know about you, but I don't get a pension. Does anybody out there listening get a pension? Your pension is how your investments have done during your lifetime, if you have any. And Biden's seeing that that erodes right now. But you don't get a pension. Think the government's going to give you a pension? It's amazing why we're $25 trillion in debt or whatever the number is now. Every one of these criminals is getting a pension for life. And it's a damn good one, too. And as far as journalism is concerned, when you listen to Judy Woodruff and the rest of them, Kaylee, is journalism dead? journalistic malpractice at its finest. And you compare that to the interview I sat in the room for, that infamous Leslie Stahl interview, you remember in 2020 with President Trump, and President Trump said, they were spying on my campaign. And she goes, you can't say that. This is 60 Minutes. Don't you dare say that. This is 60 Minutes. Um, And in fact, it turned out to be true. So it's just amazing the treatment you get, you're right, by the government-funded PBS questioner uh, versus a a hyena like Leslie Stahl. A hyena like Leslie Stahl. Love you, Kaylee McEnany. Carpe diem to you. And congratulations, I believe she just had a baby. Because she was off for quite a while. And uh, when when she came back the other day, I heard them congratulating her. So I'm assuming she had a baby. I didn't know she was pregnant. Or maybe she adopted one. I don't know. That could be possible. And had to stay away and help get the baby acclimated before coming back to work. But congratulations either way. The hyena like Leslie Stahl. That's what she is. <laughs> and that's what I love about Republicans like her and Donald Trump. They call it like it is. Now, I've said that Trump needs to start being more careful and rein in some of his petty behavior, which is, you know, calling DeSantis names. You couldn't be any dumber than doing that. And that needs to end. What needs to take place in the Republican Party 
is the Trump faction and the DeSantis faction need to get together and come to an agreement that DeSantis will run with Trump, not against him. And then in four years, DeSantis will be elected president for eight straight years. But if DeSantis stages a battle here, both will be scarred. Both will be weakened candidates. And that's the kind of thing that would allow the Democrats to take the White House again. So if DeSantis can be patient for four years, by the way, while he's vice president, he'll have the White House for eight years. If he runs now and is damaged enough by Trump and he doesn't win, then his aspirations for higher office are probably gone. Ask Mittens Romney. Ask John Kerry. It, it just ha- ask John McCain. When you lose running for president, you don't very often get another chance. Donald Trump is going to get another chance. But he had already won once, and he had one stolen. So he's actually one win, no losses, and one tie. We'll, we'll call the stolen one a tie. Now, we talk about, um, a friend of mine texted me that it is Kaylee's baby. She had the baby herself. We talk about the culture changed a lot on this show because the culture has changed dramatically and not for the good. In fact, there's nothing good about the change in the culture. You saw that firsthand on the Grammy Awards, which has always been a show that's bizarre, populated by weirdos and freaks. And no one, no one watches it. But we see the clips because they're so outlandish. It's almost as though every year these whack jobs that perform on the Grammys go out of their way just to piss people off. They know that they are in the distinct minority. But they'll put Satan and devil worship on national television in prime time so the kids can see it. And they don't care. Do you think Sam Smith bears any burden of responsibility for the kind of crap he put on the air the other night? Not for a moment. But guess who loved it? Joy Reid. The culture wars are over, and the left won. Like, total defeat. (laughs) I can only imagine the heads exploding in red states. I imagine Ron DeSantis is somewhere stalking through his governor's mansion trying to figure out how to ban the airing of the Grammys in Florida and take away CBS's tax exemptions. No educational value, queer theory, black music. (laughs) It's a helpful reminder that despite the almost hysterical war the right is waging to take the culture back to the John Wayne era, they are not just losing. They literally cannot win. That's a psychopath right there. That is a sick puppy. An arrogant, pompous ass who has never made a coherent thought in her life. But she hates white people. Simply hates you. With a passion unlike any I've ever seen. You can find the darkest criminal black guy who has attacked nothing but white people in his entire life and he doesn't hate white people as much as she does. She is a symbol of hatred. She is a symbol of everything that's wrong in this country. By the way, I'm reminded that Richard Nixon lost and then came back to win twice. He did. I'm not so sure that the atmosphere today would allow for that, but it certainly did back then. Of course, most people felt that when he lost, the election was stolen from him. The Democrats have been doing this for a long time. 
and the facts later proved that it was stolen from him, that Mayor Daley in Chicago altered the election in favor of John Kennedy. We always have to remember those things. History gave us the lesson to be learned, but as a country, we ignored it. Congresswoman Nancy Mace was going after these Twitter executives yesterday, one of which this woman by the name of Ms. Gaddy, who was responsible for deleting and banning the tweets from Harvard epidemiologists, doctors who knew about natural immunity, this Gaddy woman decided that she would say, you're not very important. I know more than you. I'm getting rid of you. I'm silencing you. I'm censoring you. To which Nancy Mace had some very pointed questions. First question this morning of Ms. Gaddy. May I ask of you, where did you go to medical school? I did not go to medical school. I'm sorry? I did not go to medical school. That's what I thought. Why do you think you or anyone else at Twitter had the medical expertise to censor a doctor's expert opinion? Our policies regarding COVID were designed to protect individuals. We were seeing you guys censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places in the world, and you silenced those voices. Carpe diem to Nancy Mace. Oh, she wasn't done, by the way. Did the U.S. government ever contact you or anyone at Twitter to pressure Twitter to moderate or censor certain tweets? Yes or no? We have a program. Did the U.S. government ever contact you or anyone at Twitter to censor or moderate certain tweets? Yes or no? We receive legal demands to remove content from the platform from the U.S. government and governments all around the world. Those are published on a third-party website, and anyone can review Thank them. God for Matt Taibbi. Thank God for Elon Musk for allowing to show us in the world that Twitter was basically a subsidiary of the FBI, censoring real medical voices with real expertise that put real Americans' lives in danger because they didn't have that information. Carpe quadruple diem, Nancy Mace. How about that? Government, the government presented legal orders to Twitter to censor these people. Perfect description that Twitter was a subsidiary of the FBI. That's scary. But we knew it. But now we have confirmation of it. But that doesn't bother Stacey Plaskett. She's a black female uh, Democrat in Congress. She's deeply concerned, but not about the FBI and the government ordering Twitter to silence and censor contradictory theories and evidence from esteemed doctors, she's just deeply concerned about what's going on. I'm deeply concerned about the use of this select subcommittee as a place to settle scores, showcase conspiracy theories, and advance an extreme agenda that risks undermining Americans' faith in our democracy. (laughs) Risks undermining Americans' faith in our democracy. Do you think for one minute that when Nancy... Mace just exposed Twitter and the government for working together to censor doctors' opinions that anyone in America considers that a threat to democracy? 
Everyone thinks that's a threat to democracy unless you're batshit crazy. When the government is ordering a private entity to silence others who are experts, for that matter, to silence anybody, that's a threat to democracy. Not these hearings, you dumbass. I love these liberals, though. They always know what the American people consider. Here's what the American people say. Not having spoken to any of them, I will now speak for them. The American people are sick of you and people like you speaking for us. You don't speak for us. That goes for the Republicans and the Democrats. You don't speak for anybody. You speak for your own greedy ass, stealing money, our money, and making off like bandits. That's why. And if you don't think this committee's work is worthwhile, Stacy Plaskett, as our research assistant points out, why don't you get the hell off the committee? The Republicans didn't think the January 6th committee was anything other than an illegal, unconstitutional sham, and so they didn't participate. They had the courage of their own convictions. But Stacey Plaskett doesn't. She just wants to run her mouth. She's deeply concerned, though, about the threat to American democracy that hearings pose on Americans. Hearings to get at the bottom of all these lies over the last two years. She doesn't like that. She's deeply concerned about that. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who are the enemies that we're all fighting against? It is important to recognize corrupt individuals within federal agencies that I am talking about are not acting alone. They operate as vital partners of the left-wing political movement that includes most members of the mainstream media, big tech social media giants, global institutions and foundations, Democrat Party operatives, and elected officials. That's a pretty good laundry list. So that's what you're up against if you're running as a Republican. That's a machine. That's a well-oiled machine. We all thought Mayor Daley in Chicago had one back in 1960. He was a beginner. These people have taken what he did, and they have grown it exponentially into a organized mob machine. They are organized crime members, and even the mob is jealous. But the mob didn't have the governmental power that these people have, and that's a huge difference. Senator Johnson, what was the most egregious act you've seen? Perhaps the most egregious and effective act of sabotage against the truth was the public letter signed by 51 former intelligence officials that claimed the laptop had, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation, unquote. That letter itself was an information operation that interfered with and impacted the 2020 presidential election to a far greater extent than anything Russia ever could have hoped to achieve. That's strong. But he's right. What what could Russia do to sway the, the election like those 51 supposed CIA people decided they would sign and destroy the credibility of the 2020 election. Russia couldn't have done that in her dreams. Now, Stacey Plaskett is concerned that these hearings, she's deeply concerned, 
that they're a threat to democracy. I wonder if she thinks that Nicole Parker, who's a former FBI agent, is a threat to democracy. The FBI became politically weaponized starting from the top in Washington and trickling down to the field offices. They are not at the liberty to allow their personal political views or preferences to determine their course of action or inaction in any investigation. Lady Justice must remain blind. Those that do not uphold these responsibilities cause a negative ripple effect throughout the agency in the field. It's as if there became two FBI's. Americans see this and it is destroying the Bureau's credibility, causing Americans to lose faith in the agency. I think Americans have lost faith in the agency long ago. But carpe diem to Nicole Parker for stepping forward and telling the truth about the FBI. I wonder if Stacey Plaskett considers that a threat to democracy. Someone telling the truth who's a former FBI agent. She later became very emotional in her description of what the FBI did to her. As an agent, That she, she was proud of her career, and the FBI stripped all of that because of their corruption. I wonder if Stacey Plaskett is deeply concerned about the plight of oh, Riley Gaines, for instance. Riley Gaines is a championship swimmer, swam at the University of Kentucky, and then she was forced to swim against Leah Thompson, the gigantic man who poses as a woman. The competition was unfair enough and troubling enough, but the other part was Riley Gaines and other females in their locker room having to deal with a male stripping naked in front of them and looking at them while they were naked. And that's emotional. No one has asked us how we felt. We're, we exist to validate a male's identity. Um, but the Ivy League, Leah Thomas's teammates, actually, when they were concerned about the locker room situation and they sent an email to um, the Ivy League and the NCAA, their response was, here's some counseling resources you should seek if you, if you feel comfortable seeing male genitalia in your locker room. And then they were referred to the LGBTQ Education Center to educate themselves on the oppression that these athletes are dealing with. So no one within the NCAA is willing to acknowledge us, our feelings, our safety, our privacy. Um, I've really tried. I feel like it's really only happened like the past couple weeks where I like get emotional talking about like the locker room scene because it is just so wild that you can turn around and see a 6'4 biological man pull his pants down watching you undress and no one is willing to stick up for you. We are a sick country. Sick. The people that run this country in every level and every organization are sick. That NCA is as corrupt as the government is. Mark Emmert, who is president of that corrupt operation, is one of the most corrupted people ever in our country. We are a sick society. I wonder if Joy Reid thinks that's cool. She probably does. Culture war is over, she's declared. The left has won. We don't have a chance. She'd be proud of that. I'm sure she'd call Riley Gaines some sort of name, because after all, Riley is white. Can you imagine what the NCAA told the Ivy League girls swimmers when they complained about this? Go get counseling? Or go get an education from the LGBTQ community? Here's what I'd say to that community. Go F yourselves. Who are you to give me an education? 
How about I educate your pathetic ass? Who do you people think you are? Go get counseling? I'd go get counseling, all right, and I'd go for years and run up a huge bill, and then I'd sue the NCA and make them pay the bill. And you'd win, by the way. Thank you for the counseling, NCA. I appreciate it greatly. You could hear the raw emotion of that woman and what it's like for a six foot four man to be undre- taking his pants off right in front of you and watching you undress. Not your boyfriend, not your husband, but some freak, some whacked out freak job. But we've got liars at every level. The military is full of liars. Lieutenant General Douglas Sims, for instance, who basically testified in these hearings that that Chinese spy balloon was a friendly balloon. There was no hostile act or hostile intent, and that would be the first. There was no uh, impact to aviation routes, which would be another piece of that. The other would be there was no, at the time, there was no uh, suspected impact to critical intelligence gathering ability in terms of infrastructure. Really? Well, they have found antennas in the water attached to the balloon, antennas that are designed to gather intelligence. But Lieutenant General Douglas Sims and his criminally stupid cohorts in the military said, well, no, you know, it wasn't a spy balloon. It was just a friendly balloon. He was like Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz taking the balloon back to Kansas. That's all it was. Nothing different. I mean, Annie M. was waiting for her. Was Andy M. waiting for this balloon to land? Don't worry about it. It's friendly. Can you believe these people even try to sell this crap? If it was so friendly, why was it hovering over air bases? Military installations. Why? I mean, it was friendly, right? According to him, it was. According to Biden, it was. Biden's trying to have it both ways, though. He said originally he wanted, he ordered it shot down right away, but that the military prevailed over him and convinced him that it, well, it's not really that big of a deal. You want the list of air bases this friendly spy plane hovered over? Let me give it to you. Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana, Ellsworth Air Force Base in South Dakota, Joe Foss Field, ANG, South Dakota, Sioux City, ANG, Iowa, Offutt Air Force Base, Nebraska, Camp Ashland, Nebraska, Lincoln A&G, Nebraska, Whiteman Air Force Base here in Missouri, the B-52 bomber's home, Fort Leonard Wood here in Missouri, St. Louis Army Human Resources, Scott Air Force Base in Illinois. Well, they were busy on the Midwest. Fort Campbell in Tennessee, Nashville A&G in Tennessee, Smyrna A&G in Tennessee, the Houston Barracks in Tennessee, McGee-Tyson A&G in Tennessee. Pope Air Force Base, North Carolina, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, MCAS New River, North Carolina, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and the U.S. Coast Guard Station in Fort Macon. I wonder if they dumped any water on Camp Lejeune. I hope not. Maybe that's how the drinking water problem started. That's a lot of military installations that this friendly spy plane was hovering over, according to Lieutenant General Douglas Sims. There was no indication that they were doing anything nefarious. 
Well, if they hovered over Disneyland, I'd say, okay, you're probably right. Maybe Disney World. Maybe Six Flags. But that's not what they were hovering over. These people need to be in jail. We need to have a stupidity doctrine in this country. I will volunteer myself as the stupidities are, and I will put stupid people in jail because we don't need you. And by stupid, I mean liars. People like Lieutenant General Douglas Sims, who couldn't give the military a worse name. Effing liar. And then they're coming after your guns. They're coming after any way possible that you would self-defend. Mark McCloskey, the lawyer who pulled his gun along with his wife on the mob led by Cori Bush breaking into a gated community. And, of course, nothing happened to Cori Bush. She got elected, actually. Mark McCloskey sums it up now. We've got a, We've got a vice president of the United States who encouraged the riots, said the riots are proper, they should continue. Bail people out of jail so they can riot the next day. We got a government that encourages crime and then discourages law enforcement by defunding the police and these George Soros prosecutors like I have here in St. Louis. And then what do the people do? If there's rampant crime and the police won't enforce the law and the prosecutors won't prosecute the criminals, people have to defend themselves. So then what? That same government then criminalizes self-defense and throws you in jail. That's a pretty good description of what goes on, isn't it? Sickening. Absolutely sickening. But that's where it is. Wow. That was a pretty sad description. Keep in mind this Chinese spy plane, spy balloon, that was innocent, of course. It was friendly also represents a country that continually is buying up real estate all around these very sensitive military installations. Now, I guess that's not to be concerning. That's not a threat to democracy, Stacey Plaskett. Where were you on that one, dipshit? Carol Markowitz has written a book, and in this book... She describes the grave situation that Disney is finding itself in because of their woke decisions. In fact, she predicts that Disney is digging its own grave. I think Disney is digging its own grave with this woke nonsense. They seem to be on a better path in the last year. They replaced a CEO and have been quiet on political matters. But there's a rot inside this company with leftists in position of power who have decided they simply must insert political messaging to children. So I'll make this prediction. This new version of the Proud family is going to bomb. Parents, even parents on the left, don't want their children getting indoctrinated by cartoons. It's creepy and everyone knows it. Carpe diem, Carol Markowitz. That cartoon we played for the other day, that was creepy. Beyond creepy. She described it perfectly. There's a rot within the Disney Corporation. And that wouldn't have been something that Walt Disney's proud of. And Carol, what's, what, what else is in your book? 
Look, in our book, Stolen Youth, we point out all the ways the left uses our kids as child soldiers for their messaging. It's not coincidental that they're using a cartoon here, because what are we going to do? Point out the incorrect facts of a cartoon character? But it's all going to just cause Disney harm, and they have to see it that way. They need to be focusing on their profits. Disney has an earnings call later today where the earnings are expected to be down about 30% from last year. Mm -hmm. So my message to Disney is stop this now before you implode. You will never be woke enough. The concessions that you are making to your far-left employees will never satisfy them. Walt Disney had a very pro-American vision for his company. The Disney of today is not living up to that whatsoever and is risking its existence unless they go back to what made them thrive in the first place. Man, eloquently stated, Carol uh, Markowitz. That is fantastic stuff. Stolen Youth is her book. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing to our kids. That's just sickening, isn't it? By the way, here's an update, a, a medical update that our research assistant just gave us on John Fetterman, who went into the hospital because he was lightheaded. Now, this is after he had a severe stroke. Uh, this comes from Jack Posobiec, who's an investigative journalist. Fetterman remains hospitalized, hears voices like the teacher in Peanuts. This guy's a U.S. senator. He's hearing voices from the teacher in Peanuts. I wonder if he's hearing from Charlie Brown, maybe Snoopy. Maybe we could have employed Snoopy to shoot down the spy balloon. Snoopy got the Red Baron. Great stuff from Carol Markowitz. By the way, here's another person that's still walking around free and traveling the world, spewing her nonsense and her lies and her criminal behavior. Hildebeest. She found herself in India. Now, what's she doing in India? Well, she knows what the people of India face. But now you face an additional challenge. The challenge that climate change presents of heat. Heat like we have never seen before. Heat like we've never seen before. I've got a tip for little Hildy. It's always been hot in India. It's 120 degrees there routinely. Have you been to the Middle East? Have you been where they hosted the World Cup this year? They had to play all the games at night. They had to play in air-conditioned stadiums because of the heat. But it's always been there. It's not new. I can promise you that back in the 70s and 80s, as I recall, we had stretches of five and six days during the summer where the temperature was well over 100. I remember trying to get into my car and burning my hand. Not just on the outside, but when I touched the steering wheel. But she knows this is heat like we've never seen before. Well, Hilly, are you in India to make the women less hot, or do you include the men? I am here with Sewa, the self-employed women's association, to announce a $50 million global climate resilience fund to work with Sewa, which, as you may know, uh, consists of women who are self-employed, working primarily outside, whether it is agriculture or the salt pans we saw here today, or street vendors or construction or waste recycling, all of those jobs, they are in the heat outside, and the heat, as you know, has gotten much worse. 
No, we don't know that. The heat hasn't gotten much worse. All of these people work outside in the heat. (laughs) She's a genius. Heat like we've never seen before. I think the heat has fried her brain. You know, if you go in the sauna at a gym and you take your phone in there with you, if you're in there too long, your phone will give you a big alert and say, it's just too hot in here for me. Get me out of here. But Hildy thinks that's these poor women, by the way, not the men. The men can screw themselves. You're working outside in the heat that you've never experienced before. Too bad. She's not here to help you. She's only here to help the women. Can you believe people say that kind of stuff? It's like Joy Reid. I'm just here to help the black people. I don't care about white people. They're all white supremacists. I like those Satan devil worshipers. She likes them a lot. She likes Leah Thompson a lot. You can count on that. Except Leah Thompson is white, so I'm not 100% sure if old Joy Reid is backing her. But she does hate Riley Gaines. We know that for sure. Tulsi Gabbard, what makes people like Hildy dangerous? This is what makes her uh, what makes her such a dangerous character. She feels that she's not accountable to anyone because she's not suffering those consequences. And how deep and cozy those ties are between Hillary Clinton, uh, so many in the mainstream media, big tech, all of these big corporate giants, people here in Washington. Uh, it is a dangerous thing for the American people to have someone like her who feels that they are above the law and they can do whatever they want. And that's exactly what she feels. Because she's never been held accountable. I I rattled off a list of people that fit into that category. Of course, it's a much longer list than I mentioned. But these people are never challenged. They're never brought to account. Mark McCloskey understands that they're also after our rights. What's our right to defend ourselves? It's a God-given right. It's a basic human right. Well, the powers that be that want to destroy our government, want to destroy our freedoms, and want to destroy our culture, they can't tolerate the concept of there being a power greater than government. They have to do away with your God-given rights, all your rights, and leave you with nothing but government-granted privileges that can be revoked at a moment's notice. And that's exactly what they do. They want you to be stripped of your rights, and the only rights available to you will be the ones that they issue to you. And when they decide, they'll take them away. Now, that sounds a lot like Nazi Germany, Stalin's Russia, North Korea, Iran, Russia. Sounds a lot like those places. And Mark McCloskey hit it out of the ballpark with that. That's exactly what they're gunning for. Take your rights away that are God-given and that are in the Constitution, strip you of those rights, then give you the government rights that they want you to have, but only the ones they want you to have, and only for as long as they want you to have it. As I said earlier, this is one sick country. Beyond sick, really. Tell you what else is sick. What is the infatuation that Fox News all of a sudden has with Stephen A. Smith? Now, this guy is a renegade racist black guy who's on ESPN, has been an uninformed, illiterate, arrogant racist for his entire life. As I mentioned before, I've debated him. 
uh, on a pregame show prior to the Cardinals playing in a playoff game years ago and made a complete ass out of him. That's not a pat on my back because it was easy. He's so uninformed and stupid, it's scary. And yet all of a sudden Fox News has been featuring him on every show, from Tucker Carlson to Hannity. It's stunning to me. Yesterday he was on with Jesse Waters. That They're gunning to to bring this guy in as at the very least a Fox News contributor. And he started making noise through his agent that he should be the guy that should succeed Jimmy Kimmel for some reason. He never, he never identified the reason. There's a thousand reasons why anybody should replace Kimmel, but he never identified any. Certainly not any that make him superior. He's not funny. He's not honest. He is a racist, and he is arrogant. And he offers nothing when you ask him a question. But he loves to hear himself talk. This guy will talk like a machine gun. He never stops. And he never tells you anything. For instance, yesterday Waters asked him uh, who would win the Super Bowl. After he goes through this litany of stupidity, citing some dumb statistics about the quarterbacks, he then informed us that Patrick Mahomes, after all, is the real deal. He is the real deal. And this past season, he lost the, he lost the bet, one of the best receivers in football who left Kansas City to go to Miami and Tyreek Hill. And still, he's had the number one offense in yards, in points, and in passing yards. He is the real deal, and he is an X factor that, and a game changer. If he goes off, there's not much the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be able to do about it. So it's that kind of game that we should expect. It is a thriller. It is a thriller. Did he just tell you anything? It's that kind of game that we should expect. What, the kind of game where if Mahomes goes off, the Chiefs win? I didn't know that. I couldn't have thought of that on my own. What other deep insight did he give us? Oh, Mahomes is the real deal. He said that twice. So whatever the real deal is, we can all be rest assured that Patrick Mahomes is it because he said it twice. But he's also more. He told us he was an X factor, whatever that means. Then he said he was a game changer. So in just a few seconds, Patrick Mahomes is the real deal twice, the X factor, the game changer, and if he goes off, this game's over for the Chiefs. Now, I can tell you that as a three-year-old, I knew more than him. And you could bring any three-year-old on national TV today, and they could tell you exactly what he just told you, which was nothing. How's that for expert analysis? He's the real deal. He's the X factor. He's a game changer. And man, if he goes off, look out. So if Michael Jordan goes off tonight, the Bulls are going to win. Wow, that's deep. That's deep stuff. He's written a book called Straight Shooter. So I guess Fox is giving him every opportunity to... Promote his book, I guess, and then hire him as a Fox News contributor. He calls it a memoir of second chances and first takes. He's on a show called First Take on ESPN. I mean, he and you know what? He's going to play the race card so strongly that he'll end up getting weaseling his way into, at the very least, a gig at Fox. At the very least. 
But you just heard his level of expertise. When I watch that Super Bowl on Sunday night, I'm going to be sitting there thinking, Ad Mahomes, he's the real deal. Oh, look at that. He's the X Factor. Wow. If he completes a long pass, game changer. There's a game changer on the field. It's Patrick Mahomes. Looks like he's about to go off. Sportscasters are innately stupid. They really are. Sports writers are even dumber. It's a dumb group of people. Evil kind of people, though. They're very vile. Backstabbers as a group. Jealous. Petty jealousies abound. That's why it took Don Coriel so long to get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I had the privilege of flying to Phoenix one year for the Super Bowl. Uh, radio Row, they would uh, they bring all the radio stations in, and they provide you with these great players, great ex-players who are pumping something, some product or something. But you, not, that's, that's, but, uh, but you still get the interviews with these guys, and after they promote their product for 20 seconds, then you get to interview them on the real stuff. And I was flying out there with Jack Buck. I happened to be sitting next to him. He was going out there because he was on the committee that chose the new class of Hall of Famers. And as we're talking about it, he said to me, I don't understand media people who look for reasons not to vote a guy in. He said, I look for reasons to vote him in. But I fight this every year, he said. Congratulations to Jack Buck, because I guarantee you he fought for Don Coriel to get into the Hall of Fame all those years ago. And today he's in. And I'm, I'm assuming that part of Fox, as a friend of mine suggested in their dalliance with Stephen A. Smith, is they want us to understand that they're not racist. So what better way to prove to us that they're not racist than to hire a black racist? It's genius. Hey, uh, people are calling us a racist network. How are we going to fight that image? We'll just hire a black racist. Bingo. Light goes off. Who's a black racist out there? Stephen A. Smith. Get him in here. Ask him something stupid like, preview the game for us, would you? Patrick Mahomes is a real deal. X Factor. He's a game changer. And if he goes off, look out. I you, Look, if you didn't laugh at these people, you'd bang your head against the wall. And the ego of people like Stephen A. Smith is off the charts. I guarantee you, Jesse Waters, Hannity, Tucker Carlson have zero in common with Stephen A. Smith. Zero. But here comes the interloper. Fox now has their own little black rapist. Biden has his little black lesbian. Now they've got the little black racist on Fox. Wait to hear some of the things he'll say. I've heard him before. But the arrogance of this guy, I was told that after I finished debating him and made him look like an ass, that he threw his headphones and his microphone down. Who's that guy? Don't you put him on with me again. That's what a producer told me. Again, I'm not patting myself on the back. It was easy. It was like taking candy from a baby. He's ill-informed. He's stupid. He knows nothing about baseball. And it was simply easy. I just swatted him away like a fly, like a pesky little fly that he is. But Fox is in love with him. We've got our own little racist now, Stephen A. Smith. He's like a voodoo doll. 
He's their curse, though. I'll promise you that. And then here's the problem when you hire a black racist. Go ahead and try to get rid of him. See what happens when you try that. You think you can do it? Have at it. Be my guest. You can't, by the way. Just a tip. It doesn't happen. All right, it's time to take a break. Let's talk a little baseball, shall we? The teams have their equipment trucks headed to Florida, headed to Arizona for spring training. So let's put a little baseball in the air on this Friday morning. The Wiz kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Fella, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Well, Casey was winning, Hank Aaron was beginning, one Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Feller, the Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke. They knew them all. Back in, Kevin Slayton with you on this Friday morning. That's right, Friday morning in the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. Friday morning, the day the Lord created. Saturday Eve, Super Bowl in two days. It's Super Bowl week. Who's going to win the big game? What are the best commercials going to be? Here's my prediction. The commercials that you'll see on the Super Bowl this weekend will be so inferior to the ones we've seen over the last 20 years or so. The number one reason is because Bob Lackey, a friend of ours, is no longer 
overseeing the creative ads for the Super Bowl from Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch would win the award every single year as bestowed upon them by the USA Today's listener poll, or excuse me, reader's poll, who watched the Super Bowl commercials. And Anheuser-Busch would have six or seven, maybe eight commercials during the course of the game, and theirs would always win. They would usually capture at least five of the top ten. Then Doritos came in with some wonderfully creative and fun ads. But I don't, uh, in the last five years, remember any from anybody. Anheuser-Busch still puts ads on, but they're nowhere near as good. They're very much forgettable. And I'll tell you a funny story about the uh, lizards. Remember the lizards that Anheuser-Busch had? Louis the lizard and the reptiles. Well, Bob Lackey came up with that along with an agency. I remember when they had Louis killed in one of the Super Bowl ads. August Bush III would view these ads before, of course, giving his final blessing in a big theater kind of a a room down at Anheuser-Busch. And Bob said, well, first of all, when they first came up with the lizards, he, he exploded and he was looking at Bob and August the 4th, his son, and said, what's wrong with you guys? You're going to have lizards sell our beer, reptiles selling our beer, frogs selling our beer. And so uh, Bob said he got fired over it. Except for the intervention of August Bush the 4th, Bob Lackey would have been out of a job. Funny story, he and August Bush the 3rd are very close. So then when they came up with the idea to kill off Louis, August the 3rd viewed it in the big theater room, and he turned to them and he said, you're murdering someone on national TV in Anheuser-Busch's name? <laughs> and, and, but there there went those. That's what went into the back and forth. But it, it was interesting. You're murdering them in our name? That's not going to happen. But it did happen. They convinced him that that was the way to go, and that was the highest-rated Super Bowl commercial ever in that poll of USA Today readers. Funny stuff back in the day. And he used to uh, give them to us, Bob did. A friend of mine who works for Anders Bush said they'd, they'd actually do 10 per Super Bowl. So they were, up, they were up there. And I'm telling you, many times seven or eight in the top ten, but always at least five. But now Bob's not doing those ads anymore, and it shows. He wasn't afraid to take chances. The humor was beyond, I mean, it was off the charts funny, the stuff that they did. And now we don't see that anymore. Humor's gone, by the way. As we all know, humor's dead in this country. So you've got to be very careful in doing a Super Bowl ad now. If you put one together that's funny, chances are somebody will get offended. Somebody. Good morning and welcome. You're on the Window World King's Court. Hey, Kevin. This is Thomas. How you doing, Thomas? Good, good. Uh, I wanted to comment on something that you brought up yesterday, that there was a uh, litter box in one of the school's bathrooms. Yes. And uh, I have a buddy, his 12-year-old granddaughter, said that there are students in her school that think they're animals, dogs, cats, and whatever else, and that the dogs wear collars, and they literally bark. Out in in the hallways. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The students have collars around them. Yeah, like a dog collar. And they bark. 
they literally bark what when they're school in the is hall. this? you know i i don't know i don't know uh what school it was but i said what does your son say about this and he said well the school doesn't do anything you've got to be kidding me no i am not kidding and they're called furries oh that's and what a appara- research assistant apparently told, told there are well, i i don't know the number but there's enough of them that they have a name now they're called furries wow now, my solution to this is next time uh, the bell rings for the uh, go-down cafeteria for lunch, get them a bowl with a Purina cat chow and Purina dog chow and put it on the floor with a couple bowls of water and say, hey, there's your lunch. You want to be a dog? Yeah, our uh, research assistant pointed this out yesterday during the conversation. So now uh, let me let me see if I understand it correctly. The school isn't imposing this on them. They're doing it on their own, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They think they're animals. Wow. And the school allows it. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, you know, Like I say, my buddy asked his son, I said, what is the school doing? He said, they don't do anything. What do the parents do? Aren't the parents up in arms? He, if that were my son well, going I, to school. I would sure think so. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be losing my mind. I know. I'm with you. It's crazy that the parents allow this to happen. It's it just really unbelievable. Sickening. She just our, our researchers just sent me a picture of these furries, and they're actually they've got like cat heads on them with their school uniform. Uh huh. It's what is wrong with this country? What's wrong with these parents? Yeah, the parents are sickening. They they should have these children taken away from them. I mean that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm 72, so I graduated in '68. And if a person came in with a dog face <laughs> and a collar, you know how fast that te- the first teacher that saw him would grab him by the collar and throw him outside. Oh, yeah. I guarantee you, when I was at CBC, they would have not just grabbed him. They would have knocked the crap out of him. <laughs> I mean, they didn't mess around. Uh, one other thing. You were talking yesterday. I forgot the story. There was a Catholic school in Canada that a student got suspended for the rest of the year for yes. St. What was that deal? Uh, we talked about that yesterday. The the kid, um, he was Catholic. It was a Catholic school. Yeah. And he said that uh, uh, that he only recognizes two genders because that's what the Bible recognizes. Right. That's what it was. And yeah. they yeah. they kicked him out of school. Well, suspended yeah. him for the rest. Now of the there year. again, where the parents of all these other students say, "No, you bring him back." Exactly. If if the what the parents of the other kids should have done was, we're pulling our kids out. And not paying you a dime until that kid's back in school. Yeah, that's that was my thinking. Yes, my that, thinking that's the only way exactly. You, get their attention. you know, you can't talk common sense to these these school administrators anymore because they're all whacked out. So you have to yeah. hit them where it hurts, and that's usually their pocketbook. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I say, where are the parents of all these other students? There has to be a handful of them that agree with this with this guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. and probably almost all of them. Apparently, from what I'm understanding from a research assistant, there's a whole group of them in the military, and they're gay. And it's 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 bizarre uh, that this, like you said, though the parents are the ones who really need to take over. Yeah, yeah, right. And if they don't, then this is what their kids are going through, and they're to blame. Yeah. Speaking of the military, I was watching a YouTube video, and the. Uh, the title was your first days in the Coast Guard. 
So I, I put that on, and it was some guy. They had the new recruits there, and he's telling them what to expect and, you know, how long it's going to be, all that kind of stuff. And he said, we treat everybody equally, man, woman. And he named a couple of them other sexes, whatever they are. And I'm thinking, I think I've seen enough of this. <laughs> if you think there's more than a male and a female in your Coast Guard, there's something wrong with you, buddy. I didn't even. I couldn't even watch it after that introduction. <laughs> there's a, there, there's a picture online of a highly decorated uh, army officer with a dog mask on. <laughs> and yeah, what's uniform. that supposed to mean? Yeah, and his uniform. <laughs> I mean, who allows this? No wonder the Chinese think they can just fly over us and spy on us. They, if if anybody doesn't think they're going into Taiwan, they're crazy because they're they're going to look at this dog picture of this guy and say, "This is who's going to stop us." <laughs> yeah. This guy's going to well, Biden did shoot the us? balloon down. You know, he did say that. He got it down. Oh, sure he did. After he called with them and they said, hey, we got everything we need. He's okay, I'll shoot it down. Yeah. yeah when I was in the Army, the uh, commander-in-chief was the president. What he says goes. Exactly. He can take all the advice and do all that. And um, they think about stuff. But if he says shoot, you shoot. So apparently he didn't. That's exactly true. And and there's no commander in chief that's overruled by his military people either. He's no, have absolutely to live, not. He has to live no. with the decision. So they knew this balloon was coming over the Aleutian Islands. That would have been the perfect time. Absolutely. If I'm he, sure there's an air force base there protecting us from Russia that could have had that thing down in less than 30 minutes. I, I just know it. Not only that, but Murkowski, who I can't stand, but the senator from Alaska said that we've got a lot of wide-open spaces in Alaska where they could have brought it down, just like yeah, Montana, yeah. just like Idaho. Yeah. And it was when it went over the Aleutian Islands, bring it down uh, over the water. Yeah, yeah. But there he plenty didn't. of opportunities. And see, that's what I mean. These liberals, they lie so much, they just don't realize, uh-oh, I didn't really think that through. If I say we don't want to shoot it down over the United States because we don't want people getting hurt, I am going to have to address why we didn't shoot it down over the Aleutian Islands. Yeah. And they never think that through. They don't think through that Montana is very sparsely populated so that nobody would have been hurt. Yeah, who was, I think it was a senator or something said you get more chance of hitting a cow or right. a buffalo. Right. <laughs> from Montana. He was, a, he was a congressman from Montana. Or Montana, yeah. yeah that's all you're going to hit. You're not going to uh, hit a person. Well, I guess that's about all I got today. All right, Thomas. Good stuff. I'm glad you called. <laughs> Okay, we'll see you later. Thank you. Have a yep. good weekend. Bye-bye. This uh, furry thing is just is actually nuts. But what else isn't? I mean, everything in this country is nuts. And we allow it. Again, we're, we're dealing with the distinct minority. It's not the majority, and we keep allowing this minuscule corner of this country's society to dictate what the rest of us do. Thomas and I agree. Where are those parents? What is wrong with these people? We are the most cowardly, spineless group of people in any country, anywhere in the world. The Canadians have more of a spine than we do. And that's saying something. Any country run by Trudeau can't really have a spine. But they're tougher than we are. We're a joke. Could you imagine if General Patton were in the Army today? 
hell, they'd kick him out. They'd kick Dwight Eisenhower out, Omar Bradley, all of those guys from the same West Point class that was blessed by the stars. They'd kick them all out of the Army today. Get out of here. You're too tough. I knew that it was starting to go that way years ago, and of course, never could I have dreamed it would be where it is. But when the University of Kansas fired Mark Mangino as their football coach. Now, Kansas football had been the laughing stock for 30 years. He came there. He started to win. Turned it around. Had them ranked third in the country one year and took them to the Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl? Kansas didn't even know where the Orange Bowl was. But they fired him a year later. Why? Some of the players complained that he was too tough. Too tough. You won. Apparently his ways were successful. Too tough on the boys. Well, you've seen what's happened to them in the ensuing 20 years. They're lucky to win one game a year until this year they won a few. But watch out. This guy will be in jeopardy if he's a little too tough for the boys on the plains of Kansas. Look out for the tumbleweed. Don't let it knock you over. It's crazy stuff, isn't it? 636-538-0746-0746. The media, as we were saying earlier, the way they complimented Biden's performance in the State of the Union, despite how embarrassing it was, Andrea Mitchell, who's been a suck-up to the uh, liberal cause for decades, said that Biden was politically courageous for mostly ignoring the Chinese spy balloon in his State of the Union. Politically courageous. What's politically courageous mean, and how does it apply here? That would be an interesting uh, explanation if we could get it from her. But my guess is she'll never be asked. Politically courageous. So now you know. (laughs) She says he talked as you just heard about competition, but not conflict. That's right, he did. He said the Chinese were our competition. They're not our competition, asshat. They want to take over. Does he understand that? But Andrea Mitchell says, oh, that was really statesmanlike of Biden. He wants to be tough on China, she said, but not confrontational. I've got news for you, Andrea Mitchell. If you're not confrontational with China, you will get your ass handed to you. Wow. Here's what she said about shooting down the balloon. He didn't apologize for the shoot down, but he was not going to pick a fight with President Xi over this because he knows that the world expects the United States and China to get along, to somehow work it out. No, that's not what the world knows. In fact, the world knows that will never happen. We will never get along with China. If we deal with them, we we must deal with them from a position of strength, not weakness. They eat weakness and spit it out for breakfast. There's a reason the Chinese unleashed the China virus on the world just when Trump was running away with the election of 2020. She says we have to get along if the world's going to survive. 
Shut up, Andrea Mitchell. Hello, Matt. How are you today? Oh, I'm not too bad, Mr. Staten. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, that whole thing that that balloon is just, I mean, it's just asinine. It's just like you said, amongst all the other reasons, state of our country under these liberals is is just despicable. He is so weak. He's such a demented, confused old man. You almost feel sorry for him, but I don't because he's been like this his whole life. Yeah, and his ego, he's an evil person. He's always been a vile person, and his ego is so runaway that even though he has no idea what he's doing, that equally evil wife of his keeps trotting him out there to humiliate him. Maybe she just hates him. Yeah, how many times did he challenge somebody to a fight to put – I wish one person (laughs) would have taken him up on it and not knocked his block off when he was – he's just a bombastic a-hole. I'm I'm surprised Trump didn't take him up on it. I'd yeah. pay, pay to watch that. <laughs> I would. And the thing, there's only a few reasons. I mean, there's probably hundreds, but there's really just a few certain reasons to send a spy balloon over someone else's country. And mainly, I believe it was for their military readiness to see exactly what the status is, their current status on the different military bases. So I believe they're going to review that inf- information and and do something now China is going to either go into Taiwan or go actually somewhere else. They might try and invade a little island um, in the Asian in the Asian Ocean. Um, the Philippines may be somewhere near there. They're gonna. I don't think they're going to take on Taiwan first. They're going to do a little incursion, and then they're going to work up to it. You know, they're going to get everybody used to it. And be like, oh, no, that's theirs. That just like Russia was trying to do with Ukraine, saying they originally they they belong to them. And this idiot isn't going to do anything. Well, I believe that they are going into Taiwan. I think that's going to be their first foray because that's an easy one. And then he'll really test the result. But I think you're right. I think they were surveilling our readiness, and they wanted yeah. to make sure before they go in that they're not going to have a problem. The other thing that could have even came instead of saying something that was a weather balloon, then why were you upset it was shot down? Or if it was supposed to be, the first reason was it was uh, guiding uh, a transport ship in the Pacific. Well, then you wouldn't have cared about it and just be like, right. you know, they're trying to say it was harmless, but it. Well, they've got you to were say right it was when you said it. He owed it to them to let it traverse the whole United States. Yeah, if they if they admit that it was spying on us and taking information, then they have to admit that they allowed it. So they have to say it was harmless. Exactly. And that's, I mean, they just, they just think, well, not that they even care if we're stupid or not. They know nobody's going to do anything about it. That's right. That's why you see these criminals behaving now uh, criminally during the middle of the day. They don't care. They don't care if you see them or if they hold up their driver's license so you know who they are. Nothing's going to happen to them. They'll be out of jail within 24 hours. And in the liberals' case, they'll never go to jail. It's incredible, isn't it? All right, Matt, good it, it stuff. It really is. Good Thank stuff. You, sir. Keep, yep. Appreciate have a, you. Have a good weekend. You too, sir. Okay. Yeah, they're not going to jail, and they know it. If I had done as many corrupt things as Hillary Clinton has done, or her husband, or the Bushes, or the Obamas, or the Bidens, I'd be fearing looking over my shoulder every day that they're going to come and get me. They're going to be on to me, and they're going to get me. But they don't. They don't fear that because they know it won't happen. I've predicted exactly what's going to happen with these hearings. They're good. We need them. 
We need to have all the information there, all the evidence laid bare. But if you think for one minute that when you criminally refer this to the Attorney General that that coward is going to do anything, Merrick Garland, you better make a copy of whatever you turn over to him because he'll destroy what you give him. So you have to wait until there's a Republican president before there's any accountability. And then we better have one in there who's like Trump, if it isn't Trump. Someone who's going to say, guess what? I'm not letting this stuff die. We're going to charge you people, and we're going to prosecute you, and we're going to convict you, and we're going to put you in jail. If I hear one more Democrat tell me that nobody's above the law, I'll throw up. They're above the law, and they know it. And that's why they continually say those things and continually get away with saying it. Because they are above the law, and they know they are. As goofy as that is, it's as true as the day is long. 636-538-0746 if you'd like to weigh in on any of the uh, things we've talked about today from the supposed black national anthem that I had to listen to at Lindenwood last night at a basketball game to the election of Don Coriel in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's a great weekend for the Coriel family. So many times they've thought he was going in and these sports writers and sportscasters said no. For that group to sit in judgment of anybody is laughable. Absolutely laughable. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? Hey, Kevin. How are you today, sir? Doing great. I want to be the first to wish you, hopefully today, a happy Friday and a blessed weekend. Thank sir. you, and back at you, too. And uh, I guess I'll watch the Super Bowl. It's that or watch a rerun of Back to the Future. Well, they they are counter-programming on MeTV with four episodes of All in the Family. Well, you know, there you go. I may just record those just so I can watch them later. Yeah, I, I will definitely be recording those and watching the football game. Uh, I enjoy yep. it. The Super Bowl, usually, though, it's the atmosphere that you enjoy more than anything going to a Super Bowl party because the game itself very rarely lives up to the expectations and the hype. Yep. And my wife and I watch it, and we we, uh, we used to stop, you know, get our food while the game was playing, and when the commercials were on us, when we would stop and watch, but it's kind of flipping back again. We're not watching the commercials much anymore. <laughs> well, the commercials aren't very good, so this it's used to be – appointment watching and you want you wanted people to be quiet so if you were at the Super Bowl parties you recorded it at home so you could watch the commercials later but now they're not yep. worth seeing so it's really sort of a waste but uh, I will not watch the three hours of pregame that's for sure <laughs> well that's a short pregame show I'm sure if you want to you could watch eight hours of pregame Oh, I'm sure it'll be all over the place like that. That's 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 for sure. So, uh, so hey, to change the subject a little, sometimes try to lighten it a little bit because you know we know the world's crazy and all the Republicans are. I think there's still too many of them deep in there, and yeah, there's some hearings going on. But until all the Republicans step up and start fighting back, I'm I'm done with them too. But on a lighter note, to say, what's your thoughts on the Tarasenko trade with the Blues? Uh, I haven't even looked at it. <clears throat> oh, you, you no. haven't. Well, they, they traded for a former blue, so they traded a blue for a former blue. They got Stanley Blaze and some some guy I don't know, uh, and they gave up uh, Tarasenko and Miko Mikola is who they gave up. Yeah, and mean, then they got a bunch of first-round draft picks. It's it, that That's the only way to go because you're going to have to rebuild this team. This team has really sunk in a hurry. 
And uh, that's sad because Blues fans are so loyal, but they're certainly not getting any reciprocation from the team. Uh, this is one of the worst additions of the Blues I've ever seen, and that's why I don't care. I don't even watch it. I don't care who they trade. Until they get better, I'm, I have no interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think they made a mistake when uh, they, they let the goalie uh, uh, goalie go, go last year. It was the backup uh, to Bennington. I think he was actually better than Bennington right now, if you ask me. Well, Bennington's the victim of a lot of odd man rushes, so their defense has been terrible. Uh, oh, just, yeah. It's overall been horrible. My wife and I were talking, and we said they should have traded Pareko on top of it. Yeah, well, usually the trade deadline is a scary p- time for players. Well, and they should maybe trade him to see if they can get any value for him because he's really not playing up to his potential, and I think right now he is overrated. Uh, he was supposed to be the you know the heir apparent to the McGinnis-Pronger type thing, and I just haven't seen it in him. Nope, we'll have to see how the trade bears out. Hey, Kevin, i got to run. Hey, you have a blessed weekend, sir. Hug your family. Tell them you love them. People, do the same. Have a blessed day. Thank you. You have the same. Phone lines are open. 636-538-0746-538-0746. I wasn't even paying attention to the Blues, so I wasn't even aware that they traded Tarasenko. That's how little I follow them right now because they're just not very good. I mean, it's just a sad case for Blues fans. Like I said, Blues fans are so loyal to them. I mean, it's very rare that you find a group of a fan base that's so loyal to a team. I think the Blues fans are more loyal to them than Cardinal fans are to the Cardinals. And that's saying a lot. But right now, neither one of them are getting much of a return. The Cardinals have gone through the entire offseason virtually, getting ready to go to spring training, having made one signing. Jeez. I guess they really think their team's good. Now, that doesn't mean they won't do anything during spring training. It's always possible. But most of the big names are already spoken for. And that's for sure. Good morning. You're on the Window World Kings Court. Hey, Kevin. This is Blair Oaks, Doug. Blair Oaks, Doug. How you doing? Good, good. I know you're running out of time. I just got two quick things. Um, number one, um, yeah, I can corroborate there are furries um in in some of these schools and they set up litter boxes in the bathrooms for them so that's just sick it's just un, it's unbelievable um hey um on the hearings um qu- kind of a question for you on the twitter hearings I, I, first of all i was shocked that james baker showed up but shouldn't the and and i thought jim jordan did a fantastic job picking apart his statement about not deleting or um preventing some of the Twitter files from being turned over. But shouldn't they have been on top of it and went to Elon and said, hey, we need you to waive privilege for this guy so we can get a full uh, testimony from him? Because is it, it, isn't the employer, uh, Twitter, the one who can waive privilege? Well, um, it, that, uh, it depends on the situation. But in uh, Baker's case, he had to show up. He was subpoenaed. He didn't have any choice. Yeah, yeah. But on a couple of questions, he he claimed privilege and he wouldn't respond to them. And um, I I always understood that the client can waive it if they had gone to Elon and said, "Hey, I'm I'm the head of Twitter. I'm well, waiving." The attorney it. is bound. And he has to testify. No, no. The attorney, the Twitter cannot make the attorney testify. The, the attorney is bound by attorney-client privilege. The the, okay. the the client is not. The client can say whatever the hell he wants. At any time. It's the attorney who's bound. Okay. Okay. I, I was thinking the, the the client could 
say, no, no, you have to talk. But um, nope. anyway, and then someone said that, uh, you know, well, he would, if he, he would have went and said, um, I'm claiming the fifth, but I don't think you can do that unless you just do it for everything. Um, no, but that's anyway, not, that's not true. He can, he can claim, uh, he can claim the fifth on certain questions and answer other ones. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I just wanted to clarify that with you. And again, I thought James Jordan picked it apart. I, I listened to quite a bit of it. And what I do is I do it, you know, a little about an hour behind. And when the Democrats ask questions, I just turn the sound down. <laughs> well, that's because they no, don't no ask no any questions, really. They just they they make a five minute uh, statement about how unbelievable this is. the The country doesn't want this. This is a threat to democracy. That's all they do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, and then, oh my God, it, what AOC? I mean, just such an idiot. You almost have to listen just to laugh at her. But she is um, a she's a walking um, comedy show. I think it's hilarious. What did you do? You com- you said what would happen if her and John Kerry had a child together? It was, that was so oh, hilarious. The, so Mr. Ed would be jealous. <laughs> All right, Kevin, I know you got to go. Take care. Have a good weekend. Appreciate it. Thank you, Blair Oaks. All right, folks, that's going to wrap us up for the weekend or for the week. But we'll be back fighting a good fight after the weekend on Monday morning, the day the liberals created. But this is the day the Lord created, Saturday Eve, and we love it. So have a great weekend, everybody. Hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. Hope your team wins, whoever it may be, whether you're the Eagles or the Chiefs. But enjoy. And we'll be back fighting a good fight as we always do for you Monday morning. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody. Uh